Welcome back to the one and only Bob. When we left, Bob had just left the zoo off into the wild, into the world filled with wind and rain, wolves and alligators, with a voice that could rip my heart in two. I wonder where he's off to, don't you, friends? Part three, looking. Ivan used to ask me what I did when I wasn't hanging out at the Exit 8 Big Top Mall and Video Arcade. I wasn't like the rest of the animals, caged, trapped. I told him I was scrounging for food, and he never questioned it. When you think about it, though, where's a better place to find food than the floor of a mall at the end of a day? Yeah, I wasn't looking for food. I was looking for her, for boss. What if? At first, I didn't admit it to myself. You know how it is when you wish for something so bad you're afraid to say it out loud because what if it never happens? It was like that. I knew the odds were crazy long. I knew I was nuts. And yet, I went out day after day searching for her. Six. There had been six of us in the litter. So why was I only looking for her? Because it was her bark I'd heard. After the box landed, even after the truck roared past, I heard it. A whimper, bark, howl, cry, something I've never heard since. She survived, at least, at first. I survived. The rest of them didn't. Relieved. And what did I do when I heard that bark? Did I run toward it? Did I try to find her? To save her? No. No, I was just a few weeks old, helpless, useless. The cries stopped almost as soon as they'd started, and you know what? Part of me was relieved. I didn't want to have to go back onto that highway. I couldn't bear wanting to rescue her and not knowing how. I didn't want to see her die, but mostly, I was afraid. Coward. I was afraid. A coward. There's a certain freedom that comes with owning your faults. The wind. Every day I went looking for boss, up and down that same barren stretch of highway. Sometimes I'd catch a hint of something hopeful on the air and think it was my sister's scent. I'd be certain the breeze had brought me her voice, like an invisible gift. The wind can really mess with your head. Enough. After a while, I stopped going to the highway stopped looking. It was a relief to give up. I had enough to worry about. My paddles. As I run from the park, I keep hearing my sister's yelp in my head. Still, with every step, my doubts grow. Sometimes, we hear what we want to hear. The animal shelter is close, just down the street, but there's nothing quick about the trip. Water rushes past like a raging river, the sun's been swallowed by black clouds. I pick my way through muddy front yards, avoiding the worst of the water. I ain't much of a swimmer. Doesn't come up much in my line of work, though I do a passable dog paddle. The problem is my paddles. My paws are tiny. Not much to work with when you're fighting a flood. I see a couple humans with flashlights carving tunnels in the sheeting rain, but mostly the street seems eerily abandoned especially after the chaos of the park. 
The shelter is at the bottom of a slight hill. Rains pooled outside the front door, despite a pile of sodden sandbags. A police car is out front, parked at an odd angle. I find some footing on a large rock near the door. Takes me three slippery tries, but I manage to leap onto the topmost sandbag. I bark, bark with all I've got, but I might as well be voiceless between the wind and the rain and the howling animals begging for escape. Inside. I pause to listen. I hear humans shouting, and I can make out what sounds like police radio chatter. But I don't hear boss. I'm right here, right at the source. Nothing. It wasn't her bark I heard. She's dead, and I'm crazy and hearing things and drenched and shivering, and where is Julia? Where is George? Hey, little guy. The door eases open, just a crack. Every bone in my body, every smart part of my doggy brain says, run. This is an animal shelter, a flooding one, apparently. My sister isn't here, and I still have to find George and Julia. The door moves, swoop. The loop comes down around my neck so fast that for a moment, I don't know what it is. It's like a cowboy's lasso, the old kind in Western movies I used to watch with Ivan. But this lasso is at the end of a long metal handle. And at the end of the long metal handle is a man. Stay calm, buddy. The man eases me, gently but firmly, off the sandbags and through the door. I'm inside the Bow Wow Big House, the Hound Pound, the Pet Pokey. Oops. The Return of Snickers. The man pulls me along with his lasso. I decide not to argue. We enter a small room stacked with animal-filled metal cages. I'm assaulted by howls and hisses. The cold water on the floor sloshes as we walk, just skimming my belly. As bad as my smeller is, I instantly pick up on one distinctive odor. It's like the world's worst perfume. The kind old ladies emit. The kind people spray on their dogs to camouflage their lovely dog stink. The kind, the kind Snickers wears. I catch a glimpse of her in an upper cage, bedraggled bow in her droopy hair. Snick baby, fancy meeting you here. I say, you look good behind bars. Hair brain, she replies. Hey, calls a rabbit two cages down. Watch your language. Mac couldn't deal with you, I ask Snickers. He brought me here because he thought it would be safer. Seems he may have been mistaken, I say. Carefully grabbing my scruff, Cowboy lifts me into an upper cage. He pulls the lasso loose and shuts the barred door. I'm not happy, but it's a relief to be out of my noose. Oh, great, another one, calls a woman wearing tall rubber boots. She pauses in the doorway. I thought we were turning people away. People, yes, says Cowboy, but this pup came solo. Tick-tock, folks, says an older, ruddy-faced officer. He's holding a radio in one hand and a flashlight in the other. You are running out of time. We hear ya, but first we've got to move everybody who's lower level, Boots sighs. Last hurricane, we had two feet to deal with. I swear they're getting worse. Climate change, says the officer. What are you going to do? More than we're doing, says Boots. That much is for sure. 
I'll move the dogs from room two, Cowboy offers. There are only a couple on the bottom level. We're out of cages, though. We'll have to double up. Put that little female in with the new guy, says Boots. They look like twins. I'm shivering. And it's not because I'm cold. I press my nose, my hurt nose, to the metal bars. I smell something. I do. I hear something. I do. Cowboy returns. Dog in arms. A bark. That bark. The door to my cage opens. Hey, I say automatically, even as my heart is already whispering the truth to me. They call me Bob. They call me Boss, says the voice. But by now I know. Of course I know. And I'm howling with joy. Alive. Thunderclaps. Shutters fly. Windows rattle. Water rushes. Dogs whimper. Cats howl. People yell. And all I can hear is my sister's voice. Catching up. We lick each other, sniff, yelp, circle, wrestle. Neither of us was ever the touchy-feely sort. But sometimes you just gotta let it all out. Wow, says Cowboy, watching us. You'd think they knew each other. Tough. Boss isn't anything like I remember. She's scrawny and flea-covered. Her left ear has a big notch in it. Her fur is dull, her body scarred, her tail cut short. I'm afraid to ask how that happened. She's clearly had it tough. Really tough. I thought I heard your bark, I say, but then it stopped. Figured I was crazy. I was napping. In this chaos, I ask. I can sleep anywhere. It's a gift. Boss nibbles on a toenail. Funny thing is, I was having a dream about you. Must have caught a whiff of you in my sleep. I can't stop staring. Boss, here with me. What? She asks when she catches me looking at her. I was just wondering, I say, about your life. Do you, you know, do you have anybody? You mean like humans? Nope. She gives a little flick of her stubby tail. Never have, never will. You've been on your own this whole time. I flash on my cushy bed, my lovely food bowl, the way everyone knows just how I like my ear scratches. Yep. How'd you end up here? I was out scrounging for food, just had another litter, and I was tired. Off my game. Animal control got me. She licks a nasty cut on her front paw. Wait. My ears prick up. So, you have puppies? That would make me an uncle. A dog uncle on top of being an honorary elephant uncle. Had the last batch seven, maybe eight weeks ago? She scratches at a flea. Last batch, I repeat. You mean you've had others? Yep. What happened to them? Dunno. It's not like they come home for the holidays, Bob. Boss lies down on the old towel lining our cage. Or should I call you rowdy, she considers. Nope. No, I like the sound of Bob. Me too. Anyway, Boss says, mostly they're dead, I'd guess. You never know, though. Maybe a few got rescued. She's so matter-of-fact, so resigned. This last letter, litter, 
Well, I thought I was onto something. Found this little car, you know, those ones that look like a big old bug. Abandoned, right down by the creek near that bridge. Easy access through a hole in the floor floorboard. Blanket in the back seat. She pauses. All the amenities. How many puppies, I ask? Three, but only one survived, a male. The other two were pretty sickly and, well, you know. Something crashes into the front office. Sounds like a window is broken. We gotta get out of here, an orange-striped cat howls. He throws himself against the front of his cage, then pokes out his paw, grabbing for the latch. I'm too young to die. When they caught me, Boss continues, ignoring the cat, I barked for the puppy to sit tight. Wait, told him I'd be right back. She sighs. Nice. Last thing he'll ever hear was a lie. What's his name? The puppy. She looks at me like I asked her if she's ever been to the moon. I don't name them, Bob. Just makes it harder. Below us, the water's slowly rising, filling the empty lower cages. We watch the humans rush back and forth, carrying buckets, as if they can stem the tide. There's nothing to do, nothing to say and nowhere to go.